Just a reminder, everyone, the topics covered in this podcast are general in nature. They haven't taken into account your personal circumstances, and it's important to seek personal financial advice if you want to address any of the subject matter. Money Men, I'm Steve May and I'm here with Luke Stiles on the 3rd of the 3rd, 2022. How are you, Luke? Good, Steve. How are you? Good, thanks. You're Sorry. a little bit uh, off colour, aren't you? Uh, yeah. I, wouldn't, no. I wouldn't say I'm off, yeah. off yeah. colour. Yeah. I've, I've had the man flu. Have haven't man had flu. COVID. Haven't had COVID. You yeah. tested negative. <laughs> I have. Um, yeah, you haven't been quite on You're convinced top that of I've just game. been, yeah. you know, had yeah. a big weekend, so yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you haven't let me live that if down. It, if I was a betting man, that's what I'd say. <laughs> But uh, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Oh, thanks, mate. You do seem to be on the mend, which is good. It is. Um, don't forget, this is general uh, information, mm-hmm. advice only, not uh, tailored to your own individual yep. circumstances. So if you do want to do anything about anything we talk about today, go and seek advice or make sure you're well informed before yeah, you do it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. Leave a review, um, yell out to your friends, yep. make sure that we continue to increase the, um, the money men family of listeners yep share us give mm-hmm. us a like you yep. know and and remember you've you can always ask us a question Absolutely. so we're happy to happy to answer them aren't yep, we we are last fortnight in the markets the uh, aussie market the asx has um been up and down and all over the place hasn't mm, it has markets have been very choppy and volatile as markets for tend obvious to do. reasons yeah, though as well yeah, as markets but, tend to do but you know asx is down half a percent mm-hmm. for the so, fortnight yeah so it's been some uh, fairly large swings day to day and during the day, um, but you know half a percent. That's so basically it's been flat. Yep. If you uh, if you, you look would at say it, it's yeah. flat. Yeah. Yep. Um, Dow Jones in the US down a percent, um, and S and P five hundred up a percent. There you so, go. Um, you know, so no, nothing you know, major, despite the other things that have been happening in the last fortnight, such as. A, Ukraine, yeah. invasions, Russia, Russia, and nuclear threats, yes. and all that and sort all of the, stuff. All the, yeah, so yeah. the geopolitical stuff that's sort of going on in the background can give people, you know, the heebie-jeebies. Like, you yeah. know, they're, they're just concerns. What, what, is, what does it mean yep. for my money? What does it mean for investing today? What does it mean investing for the future? So, um, and just that's, and that's why the markets are so choppy. That's it's why exactly they're right. Because. Um, you know, every day is a different day at the yep. moment, different different set of news and views, yep. and um, and people and um, investors react yep. uh, in one way or another. Yep. Um, so either shares flood the market and the price goes down, mm-hmm. or um, more people are buying and selling and they go up. So, But for every seller, there's a buyer, and mm-hmm. for every buyer, there's a seller. There is. So you, you often know, say that. So and you know, you've got to remember it's two two sides of the same coin in effect. Yeah. Um, you know, so a lot of people go, well, you know, inve- investors are hitting their sell buttons. Um, it's not like they're selling them to no one. There's someone yeah. there waiting to yeah. buy them at a yeah. theoretical discount. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I mean, there's obviously lots going on in Russia at the moment, and what, and you know, probably most importantly, what does that actually mean historically, uh, moving forward, all that type of stuff. So yeah. I think we're going to cover we're, that quickly. We're going to quickly cover that after we um, do this intro. Okay. Um, I'm bogging us down. That's right. There, there's been floods. Um, oh, yeah, good as point. Well, so yep. that's been happening over the past uh, week or so. Um, Still unfolding. Is there a cyclone floating around up north or west or somewhere as well? I, I think someone mentioned to me yesterday that I've got to confess, well. I've been turning the news off of, mm-hmm. of the morning. Um, the good thing though is that COVID has disappeared, obviously, yeah, because the me- media is no longer covering it. So yeah. Um, <laughs> 
That's a good thing. Possibly because there are more noteworthy events <laughs> yeah. uh, to, to bring <laughs> bring to the fore. Could well be. Uh, houses are still appearing to uh, sell uh, at reasonable and good prices. Yeah. Um, in good areas, um, though there is just a little bit of a hint that yeah. things have slowed down, I in, think. Inter- interesting, mm. I um, had a good friend of mine's 30th on the weekend, and a lot of them are real estate agents. Um, so, you know, it was interesting to sort of pick their brains around what's going on there. And there's definitely a bit of a there's definitely a bit of a, um, a thought amongst them that, that the market is turning a bit. Yeah. Um, right. You know, definitely in certain price ranges. ranges yeah. so. so, so maybe turning a bit just means getting back to normal. Uh, well, you know, yeah, you know, and, and that's a damn valid point, isn't yeah, it, Steve? Where, because where it's been an acceleration. Yeah, well, houses priced competitively have been selling, you know, in days rather than weeks. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, the norm is is more like um, week, weeks and months. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Like that, the liquidity on the market is mm-hmm. high, so mm-hmm. yeah, may, maybe it reverts to normal, and you, and you see a bit of a flattening of that price increase. Not necessarily a reversal of it, but you just mm-hmm. don't see it going as hard as it's recently going. And and you would expect that in any any asset class, mm-hmm. reversion yeah. to the main. Yeah. Um, so at some point, they're going to revert to the main and, and mm-hmm. you know, you're going to get average rates of return yeah. in aggregate. Yeah. So there you go. That's the last fortnight in review. Mm-hmm. Um, you're on the mend. Wars, <laughs> floods. Um, I'm on the mend. Don't worry about me. Div- uh, company uh, before, uh, stock prices going up and down like a yo-yo. Yeah. Um, as we always say, doesn't really matter what happens in the fortnight, does it? Exactly as long right. as you're invested uh, well and in good quality assets, you'll be okay. But we've chosen to do the chosen to do the fortnightly update, we and have. we'll continue to do it but because that's what we do. That's exactly that's what right. we do here at the Money Men. Yep. Um, okay, we're going to talk today about um, the effects, traditionally or historically, the effects on on share markets of um, geopolitical and crisis events. Yep. Um, and that's fairly topical, so we'll, we'll work through that for a few minutes. Yeah. Wars and... Um, coups and... Coups and financial crisis and yep. things like that. Um, crises, is it crisis? Financial yeah, crisis? Yeah, see, that's yeah, a good point. Yeah. Um, investing for children um, has come up a bit recently. People mm-hmm. have asked me some questions around how, how would you do that? Yep. Um, whether that's for your own children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um then we're just going to touch on um, the tax implications or effect of um, dividends. Yep. All right. right. So um, someone specifically said to me that we talk a lot about dividends, mm-hmm. um, maybe not a lot, but we talk about dividends yeah, we'll um, do a bit. On, on the money men. And um, he said, uh, I really don't, still don't get how, how it works tax-wise. Yep. So I thought maybe we'll talk about it. have a crack at um, explaining Another it. Have a crack. Have a crack. And then just uh, to finish off, we'll just have a bit of a look at um, a new rent now, buy later mm-hmm. um, housing scheme, for want of a better word. Yep. Um, that's hit, hit, sort of hit the market with a bit of a bang in the last uh, couple of months. All right. The effect of mark on markets of geopolitical and crisis events. So we're going through that at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We've had we've had good old Russia um, decide that they need a bit of extra land to protect themselves mm-hmm. against the West. That's sort of mm. 
sort of what it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that I'm sure there'd be people that would argue there's more to the story, but I mean mm. let here at the Money Man, let's sum it up. You <laughs> but, know, yeah. there's a there's a war going on between right. two you know, effectively a sovereign country and and another. Yeah. Now we like we like to keep things uncomplicated in. Exactly so, right. That's that's how we'll describe it. So if it walks so. like a duck, it looks like a duck, it must be a duck. That's it. Um the fact that one of the countries uh, is Russia um, <laughs> makes it very newsworthy, you know, or not new, maybe not newsworthy, but it makes it it makes a media jump. Yeah, on. yeah, it does. Um, you know, the, the fact that you know a world nuclear power um, yeah. is is showing a bit of aggression. Yeah, it makes it great bad news, and that's what the media is all about. So, um, and COVID so, was sort of dissipating, so there's something else on the on the. Yeah, so I just thought it was important, you know, to. To sort of just touch on it and understand that just because there's a lot of bad news around this war mm-hmm. it doesn't actually mean that the world's going to end. Um, and it doesn't mean that companies that you're invested in are going to go broke. Yep. Um, it does mean that there'll be some uncertainty mm-hmm. um, and perhaps a little bit of fear for a yep. little while. Um, but it's not something that hasn't happened before. No. That, well... This particular war hasn't happened before no, no. Um, in, in its current <clears throat> form, but there have been wars and mm-hmm. there have been other um, events occur throughout history that cause markets to be a bit jittery. Yep. Um, and it's interesting just to look at what happens. So what, what do you think initially happens, you know, with, with markets? And well, there's the nervousness mm. and, you know, it's definitely exacerbated by the coverage from, from the media. Mm. Um, so, yeah, what, what happens initially? You're probably going to see a bit of a sell-off. Yeah, um, so an initial sharpish fall yep. in, in, um, in prices. Yep. Okay, so that, that isn't based on the fundamentals of the, of the company. No. Uh, it's based on... Um, the fact that people are a little bit fearful about investing in companies because they don't know what's going to happen in the world. That's exactly right. Um, but that's generally what happens. And then what what would you think then tends to happen after six and 12 months generally? Probably goes back or recovers, mm-hmm. you know, re- reasonably quickly. And I think, and, yeah. and not probably, history has shown that's mm. what has occurred. Mm. So, you know, I think it's pretty important to just, just consider that, um, that, you know, there is that sort of sharp sell-off, that nervousness that sort of surrounds, you know, a new geopolitical event. But it could also be argued that Ukraine invasion is not a new geopolitical event. It's just something that has garnished a bit more news. Yeah, the invasion mm. has certainly ramped up, but the, arguably they've been in war since 2014 with Russia mm. in certain areas. So yeah. it, it, it's just interesting to see how how coverage and you know what we're hearing can mm. translate into share prices very quickly yeah. but you know on the on the other side um, you know and in a few months time you'll probably see that it, transla- it translates away from share prices and and you know companies revert to their fundamentals and yeah. people purchase and sell them on their fundamentals yeah 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 um, yeah so I was saying to some people yesterday, you know, let's use an example. Let's just say Commonwealth Bank. Mm-hmm. Okay, everyone, everyone in Australia knows the Commonwealth Bank. Mm. Probably the second largest company by share market, market cap. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd so. Say. Yeah, I don't know where, where it stands just at the moment, but everyone knows the Commonwealth Bank. Um, now, if the Commonwealth Bank's share price were to fall because of this nervousness, mm-hmm. and I don't know what it has done over the past four months, it's down a little, a little bit, a touch. Um, does that mean that the Commonwealth Bank is going bad? 
No, it doesn't. It's okay. got nothing to do with the performance of the Commonwealth yeah. Bank as a, as a business. Yeah. Um, the Commonwealth Bank is still making lots of money, you know, gouging, yep. gouging out of oh, you know, ordinary Australians. I'm uh, a shareholder of Commonwealth yeah, Bank, don't say that. Aren't we all? <laughs> um, but, yeah, they're, they're still operating a sound, um, exactly right. stable, large, yep. robust business that uh, is very, very likely yeah, to yeah. survive any event and, and can we, and, the other side. Yeah, can we just highlight um, what you just said? What does it mean for Commonwealth Bank mm. for its ability to make money? Nothing. What, what does this geopolitical position mean? It literally means nothing. And Commonwealth Bank aren't an isolated example in this. There are lots of companies out there where this literally means nothing. Um, financially, yeah, there are some other repercussions that might exist, but you know, financially they should remain effectively unimpacted. Um, so, yeah, you, you just raise a valid point. There's a bit of those jitters that come through. People are willing to buy the company at a little less because mm-hmm. of this initial jitter and then someone's willing to sell it at a little less because they potentially need to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. What do you have? You have a match of two people willing to buy at a certain price and the share price obviously is reflective of what the market is saying. So it just is, you know, it's all got to be taken with a bit of a grain of salt. Funny, I met with a client yesterday um, and I pulled up a chart, a market index chart, which basically shows 120 years of the Australian share market. Average rate of return, I think, was 11.5% for 120 years. Yeah. I said to him, there's two world wars here, yeah. multiple conflicts, multiple issues that have occurred, a cold war, yeah. um, and, you know... Well, you, you think, I say to people, there's always something happening in the world that will cause nervousness. And it, Jesus, that's right? exactly there, right. There but there's a, since World War Two, there's a massive list of um, significant events, mm. okay? And, you know, things like, um, you know, what, the Korean War, um, the Suez Canal crisis, yep. you know, um, that at the time. Not really familiar with the Suez Canal crisis. Oh, sorry. The, yeah. Sorry, where the, that's not a war. That's where the ship... But no, there's a crime. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, geopolitical events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, My bad. JFK being assassinated. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, US bombs Cambodia. Um, what else have we got on this list here? What Oil crisis. Yeah, Iran hostage crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what else? Falkland Islands war. Mm-hmm. Um, US bombs Libya. Mm-hmm. Uh, Panama invasion, Iraq invades Kuwait, um, the Oklahoma bombings, um, what else have we got there? US Embassy bombings, Bali bombings, etc., etc., etc. 9-11. There's a mass, mean, mass, massive list yeah. of crisis events. Um, and if you go through that list, and, and this is based on the Dow Jones, the US Dow Jones mm-hmm. index, so the pattern has been pretty much the same as you said, an initial drop and then a recovery. Mm. Um, um, and the sort of average has been a 6% initial decline, but six months later the share market's up about 9%, and after a year it's up around 15%. Yep. So it's recovered. Yep. Um, so that, that's what history tells us happens, and it's, it's really quite logical. You know, the share market um, is driven a lot on emotion and feelings and a sense of, of safety. Is, is your money safe there or is it safer in another area? Yeah, and, and especially at any, any given day when you look at the share market, it's definitely driven by emotions. But yeah. what's evident over the long term, fundamentals and the fundamentals of the companies that um, underpin the sh- the, these share markets or indexes, um, uh, you know, 
they're, they're driving that positive return. Yeah. yeah. So in times like this where there's lots of bad news and uh, there's volatility, to remember, you know, periodic sharp falls in share markets is healthy and normal. Mm-hmm. It happens. Um, uh, selling shares or switching to a more conservative investment strategy. So mm-hmm. mo- a lot of Australians, the majority of their share exposure is through their super fund. It's not a good time to be panicking and moving out of your share exposure into your cash fund or a, a very defensive. Not a good time, Steve. Option. I mean, I'll go as far as to say it is the wrong time to be mm-hmm. doing that mm-hmm. um, yeah. because, you know, there's been untold damage done during the coronavirus crisis mm-hmm. um, downturn. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And you, what happens? If you, if you sell a good quality asset mm-hmm. or group of assets yep. that have fallen in value, you liquidate you, a loss. You liquidate a loss. Right? Yeah. And then what almost invariably happens is that the person doesn't get their money back in again to see the recovery. Yep. So it's a double whammy. Yep. It's a double loss. Yeah, yeah. So do, yeah, yeah. So, so, and we, we know that. So, yeah. so, you know, back to, you know, good old-fashioned, you know, what, what, what should you be looking to do? Well, you just stay the course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, bunker down. Um, and just know, yeah, and we know that a large portion of returns from from shares from share, the share market is um, you know, is dividends yep. and, and and income. Yep, and that still continues. It's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, stick to your appropriate long term investment strategy mm-hmm. and your plan. And um, if you're invested in good assets, they're probably still good assets. Keep hold of them. It's exactly right. Okay, enough of that. Couldn't have said it better myself. Next on the list. We have investing for children, and okay. I've got that on the list because it's it's raised its head yep. uh, recently. Uh, a few people have asked me about that, so you know the question is usually, what is the best way that I can invest for my kids yep. or grandkids? Yep. Yeah, it's pretty That's topical. It, yeah, it is pretty yeah, topical yeah, at the moment. It's pretty open-ended question. Like, what's the best way? Like yeah. That, yeah. As we've often said, it depends. Yeah, and um, we and we see all different ways mm, on mm. on how it's done. So yeah, yeah there's yeah. not there's not one hard fast way on on what you should do or how you should do it. Mm. I think you know I I would tend to break it down into three key ways. Mm-hmm. Um, one is um, just saving. Yep. You know, just uh, your mum or dad or, or grandma or grandpa um, start a savings account. That's what we often see, isn't it? Is that's yep. the way that people start yep. to get money put away for their, their kids' long or grandkids' long term yep. needs. And it's a, you know, as we always say, it's better to start than not start. Okay, so you've got to start somewhere. And, and then after, after it builds up, um, then people start to say, hey, is there a better way? We're, we're getting. 0.01% on our kids or grandkids look. Um, savings and is there a better way? Yeah. Like, you know, how, how is that actually really going to grow? Uh, so then that takes you into a couple of other options. So so one is, um, you know, getting that money and investing it and giving it exposure to the share markets. Yes, so risk assets yeah. and, you, mm-hmm. and, you know, in the hope that, you know, you will achieve a higher rate of return than what's otherwise available. Yeah. Now, it's, that type of exposure to, to shares is you know, actually pretty ideal when you're investing for kids because generally, you know, you might start investing when they're two or three or yep. one or zero. Yep. Um, and you know that you're going to be investing for the next 18, 20, yep. 21, 25 yeah. so, years. So we know the time horizon can obviously wash out a lot of that volatility. That's it. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So, so you do risk it by, by knowing that 
you've got time. Yeah, yeah. that's Good exactly. Good quality assets and yeah. time usually generates sound returns. Yeah. Um, so what's the downside to, you know, me as a parent investing for my child mm-hmm. um, directly into the share market or directly into ETFs, you know, through a, a share trading platform? Yeah. Um, uh, potential downside is that I've got to pay tax on so the income tax on, on the dividends. Yep. Um, we'll talk about how that tax might work in right. part of, part of this episode. Um, so I've got to pay tax on it. Um, potentially, if we don't sort of set it up right and um, and whatever, potentially there's a capital gain event um, that occurs one day down the track if yep. you uh, decide to sell down and give the money to your child or grandchild um, or transfer. Yeah. Um, but potentially not to yeah um, so that can be that yeah, can, yeah, yeah. absolutely that can be entirely mitigated yeah. uh, another thing so you know just on that point a common a common process as some people to do is yep obviously own the investment on behalf of the child um in their name not in trust yeah. um or or an informal trust now the ato have in the past actually looked at those funds and said well what's the purpose of this money and if it is to provide, you know, some form of support or income to a minor, then should minor penalty penalty tax rates actually apply? Very rare circumstances, but there are circumstances where they can look through it and go, well, hold on, the child should actually be, you know... Um, so you're saying when it's in the child's name? No, 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 no absolutely yeah, in the child's sorry, name. Penalty yeah. tax rate applies, but yeah. there are there are examples mm. where mm. they have gone. Well, hold on, parent, you are investing. This is not your. <laughs> you're investing your capital, mm-hmm. but your the income being derived from the capital is for the purpose of this child. Yeah. Um, and we take the view that the income should be taxable in their name. So you will see some circumstances where they'll structure it in the lower lower taxable parent's name, mm-hmm. and look. Is there likelihood that you're going to come unstuck under that? No. Hmm. But, you know, there are some potential pitfalls just to be careful of and hmm. just understanding that there are other ways to structure it to totally mitigate that risk. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're not saying that any of these are right or wrong. No, no, no we're not. If you, if you want to just save it in a savings account and just build it up you, yeah, years, uh, abs- Absolutely, you can do if it. If you want yeah. to do it... Uh, Invest directly into shares and set it up as trust for your, your child or grandchild, and um, and hope that that's right. Um, do that, um, and then there's a third way, um, and we won't sort of really drill down into it. But the yeah, third way is uh, insurance bonds. Yeah. Um, so an insurance bond is just a different type of tax structure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whereby um, you invest the money and the bond is taxed internally yep. at a maximum of 30% on its income. Yep. So if it earns $100, then the maximum tax that will be paid by the fund, not by the individual that owns the bond. Yep. Um, it's the life, the bond the life office. So, yeah, yeah the life so office within yeah, the... Maximum of 30%. In practice, if you're investing um, into shares through... Good insurance bonds, mm-hmm. the tax rate will be substantially less than thirty percent. Which will Yeah, because they get the benefit of the franking they, credit they and imputation. Advan- they take advantage of the tax um, the tax breaks that yep. come come with uh, dividends. Um, and if the insurance bond is held for longer than ten years and doesn't break any little rules along the way, yeah, yeah. Um, then the proceeds are totally tax free. So yep. it can be withdrawn totally tax free or can be transferred across to the child um, at a later age um, with no tax consequences. Yeah, so, so for, for that example, Steve, it probably, you know, and so people understand, so potentially an investment bond is you know, a suitable solution for a grandparent or parent 
to own an investment on behalf of a child and at some future point gift that investment knowing that there are no tax implications, assuming that they've met the certain criteria of that investment along the way for those 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it, it is a serious vehicle to consider if you're actually you know, re- and to your point, a lot of people just start saving a bit of money in, ca- you know, in a bank account on behalf of a child or a grandchild. But that starts building up, and they go, "Hey, what's the, what's the next option? What can I do with this?" And yeah. yeah, there are a number of different options. You do need to tread fairly carefully to get it right. I'd mm-hmm. probably say, if anything, it's arguably more complex than investing for yourself. Hmm. Yeah, because there's more. There's more to consider. Yeah, there's more to consider. Um, yeah, the, the little rules that go around the insurance bonds that are you know, important, not little rules, but the rules. The nuances um, of it. Well. well, there's that 10-year rule. Yeah. Um, but also there's a contribution rule that would reset your 10 years. So if you contribute more than 125% of what you contributed the previous year, yeah. the 10 years starts again. Resets. Resets. Yeah. So, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah some serious they're a great vehicle but some serious thought into how you're going to build up this wealth on a regular basis needs to be considered because it might not work for someone who goes hey i've got a big amount to contribute once and i've got a you know a little amount to contribute there and then a couple of years down the track i've got a big amount and all of a sudden you've actually undone some of the you know tax effectiveness of the bond it, it, there's more to the story than just that but you know they're not they're not just a hard and fast set and forget um like anything, really. Yeah. Interestingly, and this is getting off topic a little bit, mm. but because of that low internal tax rate, mm-hmm. um, they can be a good investment, long-term investment vehicle for a high income earner. Yeah, good you point. So, so if you're a high income earner, you know, you're in the maximum tax rate, 45 cents in the dollar plus 2% Medicare levy, yep. and maybe more, um, it, it would be preferable perhaps to have your money taxed at 30% maximum instead of 47 cents. That's exactly right. Um, And yeah, no, you you raise a valid point. The other thing is as well, um, and for those who are investors out there will know that, you know, if you're investing in your own name, you'll have all these statements and Mm. (laughs) dividend statements and all all this this stuff that comes Mm. your way for tax time. So, you know, the bond obviously offers the benefit of potentially saving within a tax-paid vehicle. Mm. And so you don't have all this other stuff you have to do come tax time. It's already being done for you. So Mm. there's a bit of um, simplifying that might actually be, you know, added for someone choosing to go down that avenue. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, lots yeah. of options. Yeah, and sorry, just one more, one more point mm. is that um, you can use the bond to ensure that your child or grandchildren actually get the money. So if you if you've got an investment in your own name, yep, saving for your grandkids, and you were to pass away, yeah, then the money passes to your estate. Yeah, um, that's exactly. You know, right. so there's nothing to say that it would go to your grandchild or child yeah, specifically. Yeah, there's a bit of there's a bit of protection there. Actually, just on that point, and why we're talking about investing on behalf of children, it's probably just worth it flagging specific and individual shares. So, if someone wants to actually buy shares for a child, um, now just so you know, minor can't own the share. The, the share actually has to be owned in trust or an informal trust. So, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be Luke Styles in as trustee for Isaac. Mm-hmm. Styles, or you know, yep. same thing for yourself, Steve. Um, so yeah, it's just just uh, just people to be aware that 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 exists, and once that structure is then exists, the the tax payer in this instance is the child, mm-hmm. and so there's penalty tax rates that may exist, 
the, ta- the child needs a tax file number. Um, now, there are some little ways that you can manage that. Um, some some shares out there offer dividend substitution plans where you actually forgo the dividend and a franking credit for a reinvested value back into the stock so you can actually compound and build up the wealth. Now, they're pretty technical and you need to, and you, and if you're going to go down that avenue, you obviously need advice. You need to get that type of stuff right. So, yeah, but, but a lot of people say, hey, can I just gift a share or buy a share? Yeah, you can. You, you can do it, but there's a little bit more involved than just, you know, putting need, the child on there. You need to get advice. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. Okay. All right. What are we on to now? Dividends. Dividends. And tax implications. Tax. How, what actually <laughs> happens? Yeah, what? Well, what's a dividend? Yeah, what is a dividend? Div- dividend. Div- a dividend. Well, I, 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 I say divide the yeah. end. Yeah, I was just going to go down that path. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, so a dividend um, is a payment um, to a shareholder. Yep. Um, representing a portion of the profits made by the company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the end, profits divided mm-hmm. by the, you know, to the shareholders. So yeah. there's yeah. your dividend. Um for the right. purposes of the day, we'll, today will we assume that um, dividends paid have been um, paid out of full after-tax profits of the company? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly yeah, right. Yeah. So that's fully frank, fully yeah. frank. So, so the major- generally speaking, the majority of the stocks on this on the Australian stock exchange pay a fully mm-hmm. frank dividend. So, yeah. they a meaning they're tax-paying entities at thirty cents in the dollar. So mm-hmm. that's the corporate tax rate. Mm-hmm. Um, now. What occurs at the tax level for the individual is an interesting little, um, you know, a unique tax structure that's unique to Australia. Mm-hmm. So, so we actually get the benefit of the refund of that tax paid mm-hmm. at the company tax level called the franking credit or so, imputation credit. So company makes a profit, mm-hmm. company pays tax on that profit, yep. and then out of that after-tax profit, they pay a dividend. Exactly right. Okay. Now, so tax has already been paid on it. So, mm-hmm. I'm the investor. Yep. So I've got Commonwealth Bank, and I receive my thousand dollar dividend for the year. Mm-hmm. So, say for all the purpose of of the example, just to keep the numbers simple and round, I earn gross income from my wages of a hundred thousand dollars a year. So yep. I've got a hundred thousand dollars of wage income yep. and a thousand dollar dividend paid at the company tax rate of 30 cents in the dollar, paid to me. Yeah. So when I do my tax return... That's simple, isn't it? You just pay tax on that extra $30,000. No, no, it's not quite... No. It's not actually quite as simple as that. No, so anyone who, you, anyone who... Well, you don't have to enter your... You can choose not to enter the auto-field data these days with your ATO tax return for dividends, um, but if you notice, it's filled out for you. Hmm. And for a keen eye, they might say, I only received a $1,000 dividend, but it's saying that I've got $1,428 yeah. um, as taxable income. What's going on so here? Ba- so basically... $1,000 isn't added to the taxable income. No. 1428 in this example. And so how do you... Why is it, it 1428 Well, it's, it's, it's $1,428.57 mm-hmm. to be precise. Mm-hmm. Now, the $428.57 is, in fact, the value of the imputation credit or franking credit. So, so the tax that's, the already, tax been that's already been paid. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Now, you might say, well, hold on a minute. I've... Well, don't I get the benefit of that franking credit? Isn't isn't that franking credit meant to come through to me as some type of benefit, not not a not an increase in my taxable mm-hmm. income? Yep, damn good question. Uh, 
believe you've asked the question that is it's a damn good question but um so what what will happen in practice is i've got my hundred thousand dollar income and i've had one thousand four hundred and twenty eight dollars added to it yeah being reflective of the thousand dollar dividend and the franking credit being the 428 now we go down the bottom the tax payable on that income if i fall into the bracket of of the the marginal tax rate of 37 cents in the dollar i'll obviously pay 37 cents in the dollar on my taxable hundred thousand dollars just simplistically speaking but now we've got this interesting 1428 which you'll still pay which will still attract Tax of thirty-seven cents. Exactly right. It will attract. But, but, ta- but. yes, but. Yeah. So the the tax on that one thousand four hundred and twenty-eight. Yeah. In this example, at thirty-seven cents in the dollar is five hundred and twenty-eight dollars tax. Yeah. So I've got to pay five twenty-eight. Yeah. However, the franking credit is a tax imputation. So mm-hmm. so. At the bottom, where I submit my tax return, I I get to take the $428 off the $528. So the effective tax rate on that $1,000 is the difference between the imputation credit and my marginal tax rate of $528. So I actually only owe, in this example, on the $1,000, a hundred bucks. Yeah, because there's already been tax paid at tax thirty paid. cents, and you're paying essentially the difference between yeah. your marginal tax rate and and, uh, and that. And so it highlights the advantage of franking credits. So mm. although at the top end it's added to your taxable income, mm. at the bottom end it's taking back the tax it's taking back off the tax owing. And so, so very so quickly you could say, hey, the effective tax rate for that thousand dollars that I just earned mm. from Commonwealth Bank is ten percent. Yep. Okay, so what if you're a um, a retiree mm-hmm. and the only income you get is the thousand dollars um Dividend from from the bank, yep. or, or the, or the yeah, company. yeah, whatever the company is. So what happens there? Well, that's the beauty of mm. the Frankie Credit System. So in this example, I can earn, but in Australia, that is, I can earn between zero and eighteen thousand two hundred and pay no tax. Yeah, and in fact, you can earn more than that if you're uh, a senior. Yeah, yeah, yeah and there's a few. Yeah, there's yeah. a few other concessions yeah. that actually yeah. get loaded on top of that. So, yeah. but but so you're in that zero percent tax bracket. Surely, you can't get any money back surely you can so the the imputation credit or tax credit in this instance is regarded as being fully refundable Mm -hmm. so when you hit negative tax Mm -hmm. or zero tax in this instance you can actually go into negative with it so so who owes you the 428 dollars the ato do they send you the check Mm -hmm. so so just remember it's not them actually giving you money Mm -hmm. that that 428 has actually been paid by the company to the ato and the ato are refunding it to you because you're actually in a zero zero mm. tax bracket and you shouldn't have to pay tax. So mm. why should your thousand dollars attract anything mm. and you're actually in fact um, owed that tax back as a shareholder? Yeah. And remember, you're a shareholder of this business. So you you have an interest in its cash flow. You have an interest in its operations. You have an interest in its tax payable. And so you, as the individual, shouldn't have to incur a tax bill if you don't have to. Mm. Like yeah. you know, under law, if but, you don't incur yeah, it, this this present prevents double tax double taxation. That's yeah. where the only country that does it. Probably, no, purely, yeah, yeah. There's a few. There's I mean, a few, I mean, yeah. New Zealand. New Zealand technically have an imputation system. Mm. I think. I think Canada does. 
Um, the US definitely don't. Um, and so you actually, and I'll just highlight, this is actually, a, you know, we talked in our last podcast, while there's a difference between US shares and Australian shares, well, US are low-income payers because mm-hmm. there's preferential treatment to selling capital, and we're high-income payers because there's preferential treatment to the income that's taxed being the franking credit. So you actually see this differential between the two of how they actually, you know, reinvest it. Do they choose to reinvest income and claim a tax deduction for that reinvested income or do they choose to pay it out to shareholders who get lumped with marginal tax rates on tax that's already been paid at the company level? So yeah, there's there's so many levels to it. Um, yeah, but... That's good. Yeah, good. That's a good explanation. Thanks for that. That's all right. <laughs> I, um, I think, I think um, a political party... Pretty much lost an lost an election. Hmm, um, the party did. Yeah. Was it twenty? I can't well, remember the last one. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Um, twenty eight. Losable election. Um, twenty eight. Yeah. On the back of that and um, negative giving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so stripping some of these things out, yeah. and you know, I, I would argue. You know, a lot of people would say, well, hold on, why, why should a retiree get a $428 uplift from the tax office? Well, hold on. Yeah. Tax office isn't paying that income. Yeah. The company has already paid already it. Paid it, yeah. it, it, is, it is legitimately, under the system that exists, it is legitimately owed to the person receiving it. Yeah. Um, also, a lot of retirees out there don't claim their imputation credits yeah. back. So there's a lot of money that's still sitting with the Australian tax office where people have submitted their tax return and haven't realised that they actually need to claim their imputation credits from, yeah. from company dividends. So, you know, yep. every old has got an NIB or an IAG or whatever yeah. it might be. And they don't have to submit a full tax return to, to get that. No, they don't, it's but it's, it's, definitely not a, it's definitely not as straightforward as it yeah. should be. No, no. Should almost be automatic. Shouldn't it? it should be automatic. Um, okay. Right. Well, there you go. That's what uh, the tax implications of uh, dividends are. <laughs> easy. Um, Super easy. Yeah. Okay. Um, to finish off, we've got a few minutes. Um, I thought I'd just talk about an interesting little um, little scheme. Scheme. It's probably not the right word. Scheme's but, not the right word. In, um, mo- in money, Steve. Yeah. Um, it's a. Um, an interesting setup that I, I saw. It's around this sort of live, live in a house, buy it later, mm-hmm. rent now, buy later type category of stuff. Always seems to rear its head when markets are going really well. Okay, when when property prices are going through the roof and um, people are finding it hard to get into the into the property market, yep. hard to get a start. And then these types of things come along. So this this one. Just remember, the property market isn't always going up. It isn't. Just like any, any asset. Uh, asset, any growth asset. Um, this one's called Own Home, O-W-N-H-O-M-E, um, and you might put a link to that. Not that, we're here, that. Not yeah. we're, that we're here to publicise them, but um, you know we're going to be talking about them, so you may as well be able to have a bit of a read. But with people finding it harder and harder, especially in major um, cities and metropolitan areas, to, to sort of get in and get a start in the in the in the market. So you know if you if you're looking at a million dollar property. Uh, in Sydney, outskirts of Sydney somewhere, mm. um, you know, you, you're going to need to find a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars deposit. Deposit. Yep. Okay. So it's pretty hard. Yeah. Um, pretty hard, and it takes a long time. Yep. And quite often, we'll need a windfall or assistance from someone else yeah. to do it. And, and and the time that it's taking is mm. the prices are potentially moving on you during that period of time, and that's what we've probably seen in the last couple of years. Yeah. So, so these types of um, setups. Mm-hmm. I was going to say scheme again. I don't know why scheme comes to mind. But, um, Your spidey senses senses tingling about it. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Perhaps it works. Perhaps yeah. it works for some yeah. people. But 
but basically what it, what it is is you with a you know, with the help or in conjunction with own home um, together go out and find a house mm-hmm. that you want to buy and live mm-hmm. in okay that you want to live in and buy yep. um, and to do it you actually have to stump up um, only about 1.5 percent mm-hmm. of the value Ali. of the property um, and then you are required to pay a monthly it's not a rental but a monthly commitment. Mm-hmm. to own home of 7.05% mm-hmm. of the value of the property. Mm-hmm. Right, which is what? How much is that a year? 70-odd grand? Which is a lot. Which is mm-hmm. lot. Yeah, which is a fair bit of money, but it's mm-hmm. pro- probably no more than what the mortgage would have otherwise cost. Yeah. Oh, may- maybe a little bit more these days. Maybe around about what you're paying rent. Uh, maybe you're yeah, renting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, that's 7 0.05% actually goes up every year because there's a mechanism in there that says that as the notional value of the property increases, so does that monthly rental amount. And of that 7.05%, 2.5% of it um, counts as deposit, for want of a better word, okay. towards so a bit of your eventual pur- purchase of the property. Yep. Okay. Now... You go into it and you're guaranteed, well, you're guaranteed that you can buy the property mm-hmm. in three years' time mm-hmm. or less, I think. But in three years' time, you've got an option that says you can buy the property. Yep. You can exercise it. At a minimum of its purchase price plus three point something percent. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's about 3.8%. Okay. Increase per year. Yep. So, 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 so call it over three years, you're paying 10% more than your purchase price? Yep. Yep. At, at the very least? At the very least. Um, no, that's what you would pay uh, because that's what it's guaranteed to be. Um, so yeah, you, but I'm just thinking for round numbers. If yeah, you bought it for a mill yeah. and you wanted to buy it in ten year, yeah. three years' time, yeah, you're going to be paying 1.1. That's it, yeah. Yep. Now, that's great if the property is worth 1.3. <laughs> it is. Right? Because the market's gone up by more than 3.8%. Not so good if the market's gone down. Mm. Um, because you're probably not going to be excited about buying a property for $1.1 million that um, potentially is only worth 900000 so yep. you wouldn't exercise your option. Now, if you didn't exercise but your you option... you get that option not to exercise, so you don't have to. You don't have to, but if you don't, mm. um, you lose the 2.5% that you've been notionally putting away yeah, towards okay. it. Okay, so it's you're just got to be with these things. You've got to be a bit careful. So you're potentially for going, just excuse my maths if it's not exactly right. Seventy-five grand. Well, I was going to say, is you're potentially going. Is it that's that's what it is? It's about seventy-five. Two and a half percent. Two and a half of a mil. Yeah, yeah. yeah in this yeah, example, yeah. so you're potentially for going seventy-five grand. Mm. If it, yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. I, Do, I guess yeah. The remedy there is you've you know after three years the property value is down. You just keep paying the rental. The the monthly commitment until property prices back up again but hey be easy to get caught if the market went the wrong way on you yeah um, and and it would be very unfortunate to see someone who's saved you know into the scheme i'll use the word scheme in this instance um you know seventy five hundred grand over over three or four years mm. and and go, well, the house isn't what we need, it isn't what we think it's worth, mm. but we've got 100K tied up in here that is non-refundable, correct me if I'm wrong? 
Yeah, if you don't, if you don't exercise the option. Um, so you don't have to exercise. Don't have to exercise. No, no, no. Years, I, I, I get yeah, it, but yeah. you, the capital that you've contributed, yeah. Yeah, and, and the capital you've contributed isn't actually coming like a yeah. normal loan. It's what, not reducing your actual. So what happens if? Um, and this is a question that came to my mind. What happens if you know you're rolling along, you're on on track, you know, five years down the track, you got the opportunity to buy this property mm-hmm. for one point three. One, whatever we said, 1.1 yeah, yeah, yeah. million or 1.2 million, and it's worth one that easily, worth 1.2 or 3 or 4 or 5 million, but you can't get a loan to buy it for whatever reason. You've been ill, you can't work, um, you've had, that has been something that's caused your income to reduce, and, and you it, can't get a loan to buy it, then that's, that's and an your issue. cash contribution that you've made, hmm. your 75 or 100 grand over hmm. four or five years isn't recognised. Hmm. Well, it won't be recognised if you can't borrow the money. But if you could borrow the money, is it going to be recognised? Well, it would be. I'm not sure sure of the mechanism as to how they they present that when you're ready to buy. It might be that they... But but no doubt it's a complexity, isn't it? It's a complexity, yeah. Um, I think the biggest danger, one of the... There's two dangers. One is that the property prices fall, Mm -hmm. okay? And the other is that at the time that you want to buy the property, because it's advantageous to you to do so, you can't borrow the money because your only way out is to borrow the money from another party to pay out I own home. Yep. So you have to be careful. Um, you know, and you'd, you'd have to sort of look at it and say, okay, well, the alternative would be to continue to rent and save up. Yep. And build a deposit and buy when we can. Give yourself more option. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just see, you know, and I don't know the mechanism of how it works, but if, if you couldn't, if you potentially... You know, had you so you're paying a thousand bucks a week, for example, for to this company to mm-hmm. have you have, and I'm just using round numbers. Yeah, yeah. Two hundred and fifty of that is roughly going into a kitty mm-hmm. that's going towards you owning that million dollar property. Yeah. The other component is really the the other seven fifty is really funding them yep. to give you the, facilitate this solution. Yeah. Now, if you couldn't access that 250 that you've been re- religiously putting away against the, the mm. value of the place to mm. potentially buy it at some future time, because you'll need to come to the bank with funds, yeah. um, you're in a pickle. Mm. Like yeah. I don't know, I haven't I haven't read the detail, yeah, but if you I'm, can't do that, yeah, I'm, then I'm guessing that it would be presented as a deposit. Okay, yeah, all right, I'd be. But you know, it's it's pointless to have it being able to be presented as a deposit, but not be able to, still not be able to buy the money. Yeah, it, just because you've got a deposit doesn't doesn't, doesn't mean that you qualify. Can money, you. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't qualify. The bank might look at you and say, "Hey, you haven't been able to work for the past three years because you've had an illness. You can't afford it." Yeah. Um, so then, what what are your remedies? Keep paying the monthly fee that you know, and hope that one day you can buy the money to get out of it, yeah. or walk away and lose what you put in. Yeah, yeah, and and to, and the other thing is as well. You're saying there's a mechanism in there where the price is always increasing. Mm, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we didn't want to go right into the deep dark depths of it. No, but, no. But it's an interesting solution. It's uh, uh, these types of things often come to the fore when housing affordability is an issue. Yep. Um, but as with anything, you need to. Do your homework, mm-hmm. have your eyes wide open and understand what the potential risks are so that you can at least go in informed. Yep. All right. That's us for today. Awesome. Thank you for joining the Money Men. Make sure you review, leave a 
question, share. ask a question, share, all those things like. that we say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just spread the word. Yeah, the Money Men Movement, I think you've, you've referred to it, it as. We can have. we hashtag that? We can. Hashtag the Money Men Movement. Awesome. That's us for the 3rd of the 3rd, 2022. Yep. We'll uh, talk again in a fortnight. See you, everyone. See you. Bye.